more recently in the generative AI space, I've been helping companies to explore applications uh, for that novel technology, not only uh, you know, the customer facing side, but really also with uh, the individuals and the employees working in that organization and how to bring about change in respect to AI. Because it's it's one of those spaces where, you know, it comes with a huge amount of, um, you know, the only way to say it is it comes with a huge amount of baggage, right? It's 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 not just a technology, right? It, it means upending a lot of like working relationships uh, if you don't get it right as well. Hi, and welcome to Helping People Perform, the podcast that gives you fascinating insights into those people whose chosen vocation is to help others perform at their best. From consultants to teachers, sports coaches to financial advisors, all of my guests share a passion for getting the most out of individuals, teams, and organizations. Enjoy the episode. Hi everybody, and welcome to another episode of Helping People Perform. And got another amazing guest for you this week, someone that I've had the uh, great pleasure of collaborating with recently, and I'm sure we're going to come over onto that topic at some point today. But joining us in the studio today, we've got founder of Evolutio Consulting and self-proclaimed chat GPT and generative AI geek. Welcome to the show today, Justin Tan. Thank you, thank you, Paul. And I, I love the, I love that you mentioned uh, self-proclaimed generative AI and and ChatGPT geek. <laughs> and I'm sure we're going to come on to those great topics as we go through. And I know you do some amazing stuff, but you've also got an amazing backstory as well. So tell us about what's got you to where you are today. You know, what, what's your career been like, and what's got you through this journey to where you are at this moment in time? Absolutely, Paul. You know, I think back on my career journey and. Um, it's basically a bit of a twisty maze. Um, you know, I'm not one of those people that uh, at 16 years old has planned out their entire life. Um, but I think it's more fun this way, if you will. I I started out um, after graduating uh, from LSE, I started out in investment banking. Um, at that point in time, didn't really know what I wanted to do and I went into banking. So I kind of started there. Quickly decided it really wasn't for, for me though. And um, I, I figured I like problem solving. So why not go be a consultant? And this was despite the advice of my dad that <laughs> consultants, um, I don't trust them. <laughs> didn't take his advice uh, and obviously became a consultant and actually stayed a consultant for like uh, maybe nearly eight years. Uh, did my MBA in the in the meantime. Uh, decided though at some point that I needed to to kind of go experience the real world, and um, I ended up joining one of my clients, Pupa, uh, for about two years. Right. Uh, spent spent some good time there, made, made some really good friends, uh, but decided I wanted a bit of change after that, and I moved into yet again another one of my clients, uh, Merck. So. Um, Merck, huge organization, was was a very big change for me, uh, actually. Learned a lot, but uh, I decided that just the size of the organization uh, really wasn't, wasn't my thing. Right. So about three years ago, I decided to take um, you know, that big step out and found my own business, Evolution Consulting. And you know, since then, I've been helping companies with uh, their strategy and strategy implementation. And in the last year and a half or so, uh, in AI and uh, and uh, generative AI, it's not an area that I'm entirely new to. I, I um, actually advise companies while while at a bigger consulting firm uh, on AI and digital transformation, and, and I've only now returned to to that topic. It's a big passion of mine. Um, I think one area that I've been super keen on um, as well in the last year year and a half is is on training. Um, I've always been big into into education. I think you you are as well, Paul. I, I know you've got a, a training series uh, out there. 
Um, I remember like um, actually giving tuition uh, and coaching like uh, some of my juniors at school. It gave me great, uh, great pleasure to do so. So about a year and a half ago, I decided to start training. Uh, mostly, most of my uh, most of my clients are uh, junior consultants from where I came from, but also I coach, uh, you know, some of my clients uh, in the corporate space as well on a variety of like topics like problem solving, and more recently, of course, with the big uh, craze out there, uh, generative AI. So that's a little bit uh, about me, or maybe more than a little bit than you bargained <laughs> for. <laughs> no, that's great, and uh, you know, there's some amazing stories in there, and I've I've been a bit like you in terms of I've been into that world of consulting. I was in a smaller scale piece where I got most of my experience in the early days. Um, but my experience was very much, you accelerated your exposure to business by be, by going in and seeing things at a whole different level and being able to step back and seeing lots of different businesses as you go. Um, was that your experience? And what were some of the standout lessons that you've learned from that time in the big consulting firm? Yeah, so uh, no, my experience was was essentially that. I mean, one of the things I did love and still do love about consulting so much is that you get to see so much happening across various businesses. And um, the great thing is you get to choose the businesses that you want to work with uh, as well. So you can learn from them. I think one of the observations that, that I've had is that businesses are just a lot more complicated on the inside than than you take them to be because you it's very easy when i first started out as a junior consultant or advisor you stand outside and you know you you make some suggestions and you think oh gosh it must be so easy to like implement uh, all of this right uh, actually when i started to move into a corporate organization and then that put a lot of things in perspective uh, which is that you know it just takes work to get things done in an organization um, which is why more of the work I do these days is on strategic implementation so actually getting things done so I think where organizations struggle a lot is turning sort of that nice deck built by McKinsey or BCG and then turning that into what actually happens in in the organization um I think uh, you know you can have the best plan in the world, but if you don't get it done, it's 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 not that it's not that useful. So that was one of my my big learnings. Yeah, no, I've I've been there and uh, <laughs> and seen that and the impressive decks and suggestions that you come out of these uh, engagements with, and uh, if it isn't properly followed through and supported and engaged with in the organisation, all it's going to be is a lovely expensive paperweight, really, isn't it? So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know, the, the, the theme of, of, of the podcast, helping people perform, right? It's also about helping organizations uh, perform, getting from that plan into, into things that happen on the ground. Yeah. Now, some brilliant stuff there. And, uh, and so maybe that takes us nicely into, you know, what it is you do today. So tell us about Evolutio. You've, you've, um, you've sort of hit on some of the main topics, but who are your types of clients? Do you, do you work with small businesses, individuals, large organizations, and how do you help them perform? Yeah, uh, uh, certainly, uh, Paul. So uh, it's quite a mixed bag, uh, I, I must say. Um, you know, the I've, I work with everything from uh, startups to um, larger corporations. Um, and uh, it, it's great that, you know, as a 
as a independent consultant you and and uh, small business you get to choose with who you want to work with so for me it's not so much the size of the business that that matters but i guess it's the direction of travel for the business and whether their values are aligned uh with yours i mean my affiliation uh for the longest time has been with the healthcare life sciences and and medtech space uh I spend a long time advising uh, in that space, but these days I've kind of broadened my my horizon. So you know, uh, I spend time, for example, helping to lead up the uh, operations team uh, at, at a at a scale up, a healthcare startup scale up. Um, and uh, you know, what I did in that role was was basically to to kind of act as the the operations director, but also really to revamp the the organization there. You know, to like bring them into from a startup into a scale up stage, right? And then. That that's the implementation bit that I that I've talked about, and then for a larger organization, for example, uh, in the medtech space, I've worked on like developing a strategy for for the distribution business uh, of of uh, of that particular enterprise uh, across various uh, geographies, and then more recently in the generative AI space, I've been helping companies to explore applications uh, for that novel technology, not only uh, you know the customer facing side, but really also with uh, the individuals and the employees working in that organization and how to bring about change in respect to AI because it's it's one of those spaces where you know it comes with a huge amount of um, you know the only way to say it is it comes with a huge amount of baggage right it's 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 not just a technology right it, it means upending a lot of like working relationships uh, if you don't get it right as well Oh, brilliant. And I know um, when we've worked together, we've collaborated and we've I've seen you in action with some of your chat GPT work. It just inspired me to start getting involved and to, to really start to just chip away at the edges. But um, what are some of your main observations in that world in terms of where it is now and where it could be and where it's heading in the future? Yeah, no, it, this is a super pertinent uh, question, uh, Paul, because I've... Uh, I've been doing trainings for for various organizations on generative AI, and I'm actually about to. I'm very excited to actually, in the, maybe the coming two months or so, to release a uh, you know a direct consumer or, or public course. And so as I was doing that, uh, I've started to interview uh, people about uh, you know what they feel about AI, about generative AI, and yeah. and what they want to learn about it. And through those interviews, I've actually gotten to learn so much about it, right? Because I'm one of the, uh, you could say the early adopters, but you know, general public, the, the perceptions are quite different. And, uh, you know, uh, some of the, the learnings that I have, for example, I think the key one there is that feelings, you know, undoubtedly are mixed about, about AI in the general population, right? There, there is, for most people, a sense that AI can achieve a lot, A. But B, there's also trepidation in a number of, of areas, right? You have to get realistic about this. One is like basically, you know, and most literally, is, is AI going to take my job, right? That's a fear that a lot of people have. Uh, secondly, right, there's also a fear of, um, you know, am I going to do this in the right way, right? Because uh, people don't want to get fired, right? So a lot of people have said, right, I would like to learn how to use this uh, not only effectively but responsibly uh, as well. Because, not sure if you heard a while back, like some Samsung employees actually got let go from the company because they had actually put proprietary material into into ChatGPT, right? So various types of, of of fears out there. There's also the sense because the technology is new that not everyone actually knows what to do with it. And I think this is the trick with generative AI. I think you've mentioned it as well. Um, is that the technology is so vast and so broad that you actually have to 
think creatively and get your hands dirty mm. in order actually to understand what you can do with it, right? Treating it as an expanded version of Google is just not very helpful, right? <laughs> so that, that's, I, I feel, is the general impression in the, in, in the market. And then sometimes a third observation that I have is that there's quite a dichotomy sometimes between the C-level and the employee, uh, the, the, the broader employee workforce, right? And sometimes that disconnect is quite, is quite vast. Um, on the one hand, sometimes you have employees that are really interested in learning more, and but they're looking to the, the C-suite for guidance. But the C-suite is distracted by other things. So uh, they haven't bothered to actually really think through some of the implications of even just letting their employees use ChatGPT, for example. Right. Other times, it's the flip side, right, where the employees are actually quite uncertain and worried about generative AI. Um, and then the C-suite is super enthusiastic uh, about it because it's like, it's going to give us great cost savings. It's going to give us great productivity benefits. Um, but they haven't kind of found a way to, to join those two together and, and to bring them into alignment. So there's a bit of a dichotomy in, in quite a few organizations I've seen. Yeah, I mean, I've from the little experience and, and research that I've done in this area, it is uh, very much reflecting what you said there, which is people see the value. And I guess the feeling I've had from the conversations I've had is, oh, it's amazing, it's amazing. But it's probably for those people over there or in a different industry or a different level of the business. And they're almost waiting and stepping back and going, I'm going to wait until I'm told that, uh, <laughs> you know, I need to use it. Up until then, I'll just ride the wave in terms of what I'm doing right now, thanks very much, and, and hold back, which I guess is the the epitome of um, of the uh, the crest uh, or the the bell curve. You've got your early adopters. You've got your uh, uh, your people who are just waiting to be told, and then you've got your your latecomers as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah ex exactly. And I think the the trick with generative AI is that is that that bell curve is going to come through a lot quicker than than most people expect, right? You know, if you think about it, like. I think I read somewhere that the telephone took like 50 years to, to get mass adoption or maybe more, I don't know. And the mobile phone, maybe a number of years, right? But if you look at ChatGPT, it took a month to hit like 100 million users. So, you know, where, where is technology going to go from there? Yeah. So what are some of the um, sort of top tips you've got for people who are wanting to get and test out some of the opportunities that are there but are too afraid to ask or too afraid to, to start? What, what can people do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first, first of all, I, I would say um, this is a big one for me. Uh, YouTube or you know, Instagram or, or TikTok for that matter is your is your friend. Um, and you know, I I can't claim to have like a secret recipe uh, beyond actually a YouTube uh, and uh, and and Google. But the other secret recipe that I have is actually just mess around, right? Um, don't, don't be afraid to go mess around and, and, and try things out. I, I get this not everyone's cup of tea, um, but the only way to get good at something is actually just to practice and 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 get better, right? Um, the thing about, about using uh, um, generative AI is that um, it's also, you know, it it's it, it reacts to you as well, but but you also react to it. It's it's part of a, a conversation that's that's ongoing between two parties. And I think a lot of people don't get that. They they give up after you know they'll they'll put in a prompt into the system and it comes out with a result that they're not that happy with. Uh and then they kind of give up from there. I've seen that happen uh quite a few times with people I'm trying to to teach. And and what I say is that, you know, there's a learning curve to everything. Get over that hump and you know, you're gonna be very comfortable uh with that. 
And then the third one is, is I would say, just get together a group of people that are that are interested in it and and have a shared journey together. I think, uh, you know, this is this is not uh, this is not very serious. Uh, this is not very complex stuff. But if you're in a group of people who are excited about something, you are a lot more excited. You're a lot more likely to become excited as well. Awesome. So give it a go. Keep going, right, <laughs> and, and then get get into a community of some sort or, or connect with people and learn from them as well. Those are the three things that I'm hearing from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically not rocket science. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of the one of my experiences in this area, and it came about when we were we were working together, was what it really helped me do was actually the value of going, here's a prompt. Um let's see what it comes back with and going, no, that's actually, that's not what I meant. And if you can use it in that sort of agile, um, sort of <laughs> proof of concept kind of way to go, actually, you, I'm not asking the right questions. I, I didn't mean it in that sense. I probably meant it in a different way or in a different, I want it in a different tone or I, I'm looking at a slightly different angle on this. But it's not until you see the response that you realize actually, I've asked the wrong question there. I thought I was asking a great question. But actually, on reflection, I can see how that could have been misinterpreted. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, definitely that's uh, th that's part of the getting your hands uh, dirty bit, right? Um, I think the the powerful thing about uh, about all this as well is that the the technology is moving so quickly. So something that you know you alluded to something not sort of maybe meeting your satisfaction today. But what I've seen in the market out there is that the technology is moving so quickly, right? Just a few months ago, uh, we saw that ChatGPT would hallucinate, right? Create a lot of, um, you know, fake answers, right? Uh, instances of those have dropped like very dramatically just, just in under six months, right? So they're, they're ironing out a lot of the kinks of technology, even in the matter of under a year, basically. Yeah. And... Um... Going back to the, I'm, I'm going to put the link to the article that we we worked together on together. Yeah, we should. Yeah, I had a great article, I think. <laughs> but that was all about making better decisions, essentially, wasn't yeah. it? Data-driven decisions. So, um, it feels to me, in terms of the work that you're doing at Evolutio, is is about connecting people with how to make better decisions um, and utilizing the technology. It's not just a case of let's utilize technology. It's actually for a purpose. Um, yes. learning that for a purpose to help with decisions and also to help put those strategies into action. So I can see how you're tying all of these elements together. It's uh, it's really great stuff. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's, uh, as you say, I think decision-making has been a huge um, passion of mine. Um, ever since, um, you know, I read, I read the book, um, uh, thinking fast, slow, um, which I believe was from from Malcolm Gladwell, and it started to get me thinking about how people actually make um, decisions. And when we were talking about it, right, when we wrote that article together, um, data plays a very important part in in making decisions. But actually, if you don't have the right setup um, in order to to make use of your data, it's not not that helpful, right? I think we talked about a number of things. For example, like making sure you have a very clear hypothesis upfront, right, before you actually go start digging around and messing around with your data, right? Because it's going to otherwise you get lost in that sea of data, right? And and then the other thing is that human element as well of like just making sure that you bring a broad number of perspectives, right? Because data itself sometimes can be misleading right and if you bring more people to the table you get more perspectives you, you, you're likely to uncover potentially biases or, yeah. or or things unseen in the data that one person uh, would have missed oh there's some amazing learnings to be had there and it's some it, it's a 
a fascinating field in and of itself, isn't it? How people make decisions and then what can we do to support them to make better decisions in that space? Uh, uh, wonderful. Um, um, in terms of your performance then, so you obviously um, do, you know, you've taken the lead in terms of going out and trying some things in the generative AI world, but how do you stay on top of the game? You know, how, what is it that you do that keeps you performing at your best? Yeah, thanks for thanks for asking that. Some, sometimes I wish actually the performance would improve uh, over time. Um, what, what I would say though is that you know like I'm like I'm like everybody else actually, and and uh, there are periods of like highs and and periods of lows. I think what what helps is is to kind of set goals, but not be too hard on yourself if you if you don't make them. So, uh, a framework I, I like to use is is OKRs, and and OKRs is objectives and and key results. So I recommend that a lot of my clients use them, right? Because I think it's a great tool from getting from planning strategy into into execution, right? So OKRs are a really simple tool where. Uh, you know, every period uh, in time, uh, it could be every two months, every three months, you set yourself an overarching objectives and you make sure that behind that overarching objective, which would be, for example, um, we want to, to reach uh, or we want to uh, build a presence in uh, this particular customer segment uh, with our product, right? And then you set uh, key results behind an objective, right? Typically no more than, than three to five. So in the example that I gave you, one key result could be that, for example, uh, we want to hit, um, let's say, you know, we want to to uh, do a mailing list of like uh, a thousand people, let's say in that particular segment. So very hard, concrete numbers that that you kind of put behind behind that. And it keeps you grounded, right? Because sometimes if you set too uh, lofty objective and you don't have a key result, then how do you know you've actually achieved uh, that that key result? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and in that, when you apply, uh, or when I ask clients uh, to think about applying uh, OKRs, tell them to set it a little bit ambitious, right? So that they don't, uh, you shouldn't make the goal too easy, right? You should think about if you achieve about seventy percent of your OKRs, you you kind of you you kind of do well because uh, it's a stretch stretch type of goal. I try to do the same for myself as well. So uh, recently, to be honest, I haven't been doing that well in my OKRs. I, I think I've hit only like fifty percent of them. So maybe the goals are too stretched, and I'm not putting in enough enough efforts. But I, I think that comes back to the other side as well about performance management, which is that as an individual, just I've learned over the last few years that managing yourself is just as important as as everything else right uh, as managing your clients or, or, or managing your business because uh, you you go through highs and go through lows you know this summer for example has been has been a, a more difficult one for the consulting business right mm -hmm. uh, how do you manage that emotional ups and downs right like how do you regulate yourself right I try to like spend time with with people that that keep me more calm right I make yeah. sure that you know I take time out to go to the park for a walk, for example, in the middle of the day. So small little things like that that can help to regulate the nervous system if I'm feeling more stressed. Right. Oh, some wise words there. And I think, you know, it's always something that we can do for ourselves to manage that uh, expectation. I know that people uh, in our network as well with the um, uh, the solopreneurs group that we're in, headed up by the great Faris Aranki. It's uh, rarely, rarely an episode goes by without me mentioning him. So, uh, um, but he brought us together in, in when we, we first connected. Um, but having a network like that where you can, particularly if you're a solopreneur or if you're in a small business, even if you're a CEO and you don't feel as if you've got to, you can go to your own business 
because you're seen as this person um, sort of at the, the very pinnacle of your organization. And having a network that you can feel safe and feel included and feel as if you can just share your current concerns or your ideas and share your um, successes as well. You know, it's a, it really does help to, certainly for me, to regulate that. Yeah. It does, yeah. I, I didn't realize the importance of having this peer community, if you will, um, you know, back when I was an employed individual because it came naturally as part of the job, right? You you had your colleagues. Uh, and for me, for the longest time, I was in a consulting firm, actually, and, and I had loads of peers uh, who were intelligent, smart, but also very, very like-minded. So you're right in the sense that especially having when you go into the entrepreneurship uh, and in and you're a CEO or, or or a leader in the organization, and that can actually be quite a lonely journey. And having sort of a peer network is 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 very powerful. I would say though, as as a leader, that um, having an element of of coaching or an entrepreneur, I would say, element of coaching and mentoring is is so important as well. It's yeah. I think it's part of overcoming that that loneliness journey as well. But um, and also having friendship, but then also having uh, someone to bounce ideas off and to put things in in perspectives, right? Because sometimes we can be too hard on ourselves or maybe not hard enough on ourselves. And you just need someone who's maybe objective uh, about everything to kind of give you uh, a pat on the back or a few ice wits from time to time. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> um, and so let's switch things up a little bit and say, if you had the opportunity to bring your skill set whatever that might be, you know, you, maybe you focus on decision making, maybe you focus on OKRs or trading or, or the generative AI space um, and to help anyone. So any individual or group or organization, uh, if you could help them perform with the skill set that you've got, who would you want that to be? Uh, so someone I would want to, to help in terms of a client. Uh, yeah, an individual or a team or an organization, someone you, you go, I'd really love to work with those people. Oh, wow. Okay. Re uh, really good question. Um, you know, uh, there's someone I really want to work with. Um, I'm not sure he needs my help, but but there you go. Um, it, this is more someone I admire. If I flip that question around, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's Barack Obama, really. Right. Uh, as an individual, um, I would love to work with him only because I would learn probably so much uh, from him in in the process, right? Yeah. Uh, on, on, on soft skills and just the ability to be to be humble uh, and um, you know, really just be uh, the word I use is is have presence. You know, just just that that perfect blend of humility and, and presence is 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 so powerful. Uh, I, I realize I may not have fully answered your, your your question there. I think it's it's not really a specific like if I would think of a company, it's not really a specific one as well. If I like to work with, uh, I I I do like to work with organizations that are more growth oriented, um, uh, just because like. Uh, efficiency and potentially cost cutting are all important things in their in their own right. Uh, but because of my personality, I like to be more growth oriented. So if if the agenda is more growth oriented, uh, I'm just a lot more attuned with that. I think uh, for me, uh, again, maybe the archetype, the organization that that I like to work with is is one where the values are aligned uh, with mine. Right. So, for example. Uh, I, I think it's very important that an, an organization takes care of its employees, for example. Uh, if, if an organization starts to see their employee just as assets, right? 
I, I, I can't bring myself to work with the organization. I have done so in the past, right, as part of a larger consulting firm, but it hasn't made me feel, feel nice. But, you know, when I work today with organizations where employees are seen as part of the family, I feel like I'm actually contributing to, to that, right? I think as, as advisors in, in the world, we have, um, uh, we have, a, we have a, almost a responsibility to, to, to shape things in a better way. And for me, that better way actually is, is about a more responsible form of, of business and, and commerce, right? Oh, that's, that's wonderful stuff. And I think that you've, you've hit something on the head there in terms of, you know, just in terms of getting the most out of your consultant and Evolutio in this case, you know, it's like actually having a, a client that or a client environment, a culture that gets you performing at your best is ultimately going to get them performing at their best because they're, they're actually going to get your best work and, and engage with you in a way that's actually going to put your recommendations and your strategies or whatever it might be into action. Hadn't quite thought of it that way, but yes, I, I completely get get I completely get where you're coming from. I mean, you know, I, I've been in situations where I've had to make um recommendations where I may not have always believed in it, right? Because I was part of, of organizations that had a particular agenda or or, or some such, right? And uh, it doesn't make you feel good. And I think when you present it, it's it's evident. At least I'm not the type of person where I can hide my, my feelings very well. And if I don't believe in something, you, you can probably tell uh, that's the case. <laughs> oh, wonderful. And, um, uh, and I think you've answered the, the second part of my question is usually around who would you like to learn from and sit down? But I'm, I'm guessing that would be Barack Obama from getting your own performance up. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, so if people want to find out more, uh, Justin, they want to engage with Evolutio, they want to find out more about what you, your insights on the chat GPT and the generative AI space, and you mentioned that online course, where do people um, go to find out more and how do they get in contact with you? Yeah, so uh, at the moment, uh, I'm about to so I'm about to launch that uh, that online course. It's not it's not available yet. But if you'd like to reach out to me, you know, there's there's always my website, um, uh, which is evolutionconsultingco.com. But actually, um, I'm I'm hugely passionate about both the strategy and AI space, as you would have been able to tell. And I actually write a, a biweekly newsletter called uh, New World Navigator uh, on Substack, where I kind of like pen my thoughts on the latest trends, but also I think significant developments uh, in in at, at the interconnection of these two spaces. So, uh, you know, that's one area to find me as well. And and if um, anyone is interested in learning more about the space, I, I you know, encourage you uh, to to join the community and, and to share your views as well. Yeah. No, wonderful. I'm, I'm a, a subscriber to that um, <laughs> that uh, Substack, and I, you know, it's one of those areas that it's a really easy way to engage in a uh, and really just start to tweak around the edges and see what's there. So if you are, are thinking maybe this isn't for me, I'm not quite ready to engage, um, then that's a great way of getting in and dipping your toe and finding out what's there. And then you can go and find out more by contacting Justin and, and getting in touch. So uh, uh, I definitely recommend people. I'll put the link in for your Substack there to get, get people engaged in your newsletter. So. Yeah, no, thank you. I think one of the... You know, one of the things is that I'm not a technical person, right? Not a data scientist by background or, or a software engineer, but I'm really interested in things that potentially have, uh, you know, that that uh, that have a technical significance, but in a broader strategic sense. So my job in that newsletter is basically to like interpret what may not be decipherable for, for some people into, into a language 
uh, that is jargon free and 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 not technical, right, and accessible for people. Yeah, no, it's a it's a great skill to have, and uh, and you you do it very well, Justin. So I can't wait to uh, keep those newsletters coming. In the meantime, if anybody wants to reach out to Justin, we'll have all of his contact details in the uh, in the show notes. Um, just thanks so much for being on the show today, Justin Tan. Amazing. Thank you so much for inviting me, Paul. And uh, can't wait to uh, be back again at some point. Yeah, no doubt. And let's uh, look forward to the next collaboration. Cool. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, then please give the podcast a rate, review and share. I'm Paul Teasdale. And from sausage making to banking, oil and gas to Formula One, I help people perform. If you'd like to find out more and have a conversation, contact me via helpingpeopleperform.com.